Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. You also might be listening to this on the SportsGrid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined today by Colin Drew, as always. This is our daily fantasy show here on SportsGrid, where we run through all of the NFL games that are on the main slate for NFL Daily Fantasy on FanDuel and DraftKings. And, uh, you know, honestly, bad news. Looking through the slate, we don't have a Seattle, Arizona we don't have a uh, you know a, a Dallas Seattle. We really just we don't have Seattle on the slate. And when Seattle's not on the slate, game stacks become much more difficult. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, we got Seattle with San Francisco, so uh, could still get live there, but definitely not expecting multiple wide receivers to put up forty plus fantasy points this week. Yeah, and that is that's always a little brutal, you know. And we're there. It's not that there aren't high total games this week. There are some some games with incredibly high totals. It's just. Maybe we don't feel super comfortable in stacking those offenses. Uh, I think that in the case of some of them, I like the stack in a vacuum, but I don't necessarily like the players in them because the volume is not all that concentrated. And that's, you know, a huge problem when you are looking to game stack. But let's go ahead and start with Pittsburgh at Baltimore. I have to say, I'm actually a little bit interested in stacking this game for a couple reasons. The first is that I think that Lamar was maybe playing a little bit injured. We'd seen him rush a little bit less. We've seen the Ravens play at a much slower pace in 2020 than they were in 2019. I think maybe in a, you know, pretty much a must win divisional game that might get remedied a little bit. And then also, I think maybe the Ravens defense is not quite as great as they're projected to be. And I think that the Steelers should be able to pass on them uh, a fair bit. What are you thinking about this game? Yeah, I felt like individual pieces of this game were most attractive to me. I do think you can always justify Lamar and his price has come down. So you're not quite getting the peak price on him that you had in the past. Um, But I was more interested in individual pieces like Marquise Brown or Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews at the tight end position that's historically been weak is just showed so much touchdown upside and a guy they really do look to in the red zone for targets. And then Hollywood Brown, I mean, leading the team in target share in general, and he hasn't got there with any of the big plays connecting yet, but it does feel like that's a matter of time, and I do think he'll be on GPP winning lineups at least once or twice before the season wears out. So I was more interested there, and then obviously at the running back, we just need to wait and see whether or not Mark Ingram's going to be active and what that means for, you know, Gus Edwards or J.K. Dobbins, who I don't think you can play if they're going to be in a three-headed timeshare, but if there were just two of them, perhaps you'd consider it. But uh, don't you buy this rookie running back after the bye week thing? You know, we, we've seen it now a couple times already play out this year. You know, we have saw DeAndre Swift have the explosion. You know, I, I, I think that there's a little bit of legs to this theory for me. 
I think the theory is fine, but like 4,600, regardless if it, he's more involved, maybe he passes Gus Edwards or whatever. But if all three of them are active, it's still going to be three of those guys. So it's hard to see like a path to 15 or 20 touches. Yeah. And, you know, we do have some great prices on the Pittsburgh wide receivers. If you do think that they are going to be able to have, you know, some success passing on DraftKings, Deontay Johnson is 5,500. Juju Smith-Schuster is 5,400 coming off of a 15-target game. And then you want to talk about plays that are going to be absolutely unowned, like talking sub-1%. Chase Claypool, who scores a touchdown like once every three targets this year, he is 5,200. He will not be owned. I mean, I guarantee you that if you play like the $100 single entry on DraftKings or whatever, you are not like you will be 1% owned for Chase Claypool. Yeah, I mean, it feels like you're playing whack-a-mole at this point, trying to get, like, especially with all of them healthy. Claypool was still playing on, like, 65% of the team snaps last week, so it's not like his role went to zero, despite the uh, the box score not being super impressive. Yeah, um, so I, I do like this game. I do think that you can run single-stack Lamar with double bring-back, and that's a really interesting combination. I do think that, I well... I don't love taking Ben because he doesn't have like a super great price. And I don't think he has like a, you know, some great ceiling. So probably yeah. off of Ben in terms of a stack, but moving now to the Los Angeles Rams at the Miami dolphins. Uh, I think that Daryl Henderson is probably actually a little bit underpriced because he he's 5,900 on DraftKings, but he's just basically been a workhorse. He's not playing that much on third downs, but it's really been their primary running back. And then, my other favorite play from this game on DraftKings is the Dolphins' defense. They are priced at $2,400. they are at home. You know, the Rams are on a short week, time zone, you know, all those classic hashtag trends. <laughs> and uh, also, Jared Goff is just like a lock to get sacked twice and throw one interception. So I, I don't know if I've ever really touted defenses on this show, but I do think the Dolphins' defense is really strong. Yeah, it might be the first time. I feel like even when we do our weekly premium write-ups, it's like pulling teeth to try to get you to write up more than like two or three defense because you're usually you're just looking to pay down at the position. And I, I do think that makes some degree of sense. This, kind of like the Pittsburgh game, I'm interested in individual pieces here. I think so much of the passing attack does funnel through Cup and through Robert Woods that picking one of those two guys in lineups where they have a 25-point total on the road, I think is pretty reasonable. Um Henderson is also interesting. Like you said, he's not getting the passing work. It seems like they really trust Malcolm Brown in the pass protection. And so that should be split. Henderson did leave the game with an injury last week. He was on the injury report heading into that game as well. So definitely a situation to monitor because I think Malcolm Brown would emerge as a pretty good value if um, Henderson was to not be full go. Yeah, I mean, I probably wouldn't play Malcolm Brown because I, I don't like, like can Malcolm Brown honestly get 20 without scoring twice? I don't know if he oh, can. Oh, for sure he can because he's involved a lot in the passing game. And Cam Akers, they don't trust in pass protection at all. And I think that's why Akers is really only seeing the field when they're up by like 30 to 10 versus the Washington football team. So um, I was curious. I, I was surprised you're bearing the lead a little bit because Tua, first game, 5,600, not the best spot against one of the best past defenses and secondaries in the NFL, but they are on a short week. Are you going to play two at all? So I, I'm not because I think that he'll end up actually pulling a little bit of ownership. And I don't think he's going to run very much in this spot. And I would like to see him play a game before we get a sense of how much he either is or is not going to run. And I don't, I don't think the stack options are great either with Devonte Parker playing against Jalen Ramsey. Um, randomly, I, I think that maybe the best DFS game this week, Colin, is the Las Vegas Raiders at the Cleveland Browns. And I think that Hunt is basically the strongest play of the week. I expect that he is going to garner 
probably the most ownership at the running back position. Maybe we could see Alvin Kamara get more than him, even if Michael Thomas plays. But I think that the Cleveland passing game has a lot of cheap options that we like. You know, we have Jarvis Landry, Richard Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Harrison Bryant, uh, who all have good individual matchups. And then for the Raiders, we have, you know, Henry Ruggs, Darren Waller, maybe Nelson Aguilar if you're if you're an actual sicko. But this is a, a high total game, a bad defense for the Raiders, and a defense that has been susceptible to the pass in the Cleveland Browns. So I, I think that this game seems disgusting when you're thinking about stacking a Raiders Browns game, but actually like the individual plays all kind of combine to make sense. <laughs> yeah, you know what game felt pretty disgusting to stack last week that the Opto was trying to spit at me and I gave it the yeah, nod wave. Cincinnati Cleveland? Yeah, yeah, that was frustrating. I mean, I think getting on some good games last week ended up getting off of some of the stuff that was good from a value perspective and when you needed to jam in multiple high-priced wide receivers, like having a quarterback do what Joe Burrow did was definitely pretty important to unlocking the slate. So yeah, it's, it's for sure interesting. The pause for me on stacking Cleveland is always just, even when they had Odell, it's just whether or not they're going to run enough pass plays. And on the season now, they're hovering around 51% of the plays are rushing plays. And without Odell, I imagine it stays close to that, especially if they're able to play from ahead. So I'm, I feel like you're right. There is value that opened up, especially with that injury Rashad Higgins is a guy that should see an expanded role. Jarvis Landry, I think, will stay right around that 21% target mark he's at. He's a little banged up this season, but he should still lead the team in overall target volume. And then you have Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's also going to be, you know, stepping into an expanded role, a uh, late-round rookie draft pick. I'm more interested in individual pieces. I'm more interested in Kareem Hunt here than I am game stacking it, but I definitely see the merit to it. And if I was going to stack the passing side, perhaps I'd do it on Las Vegas side instead of Cleveland. Okay, but let me throw this one at you. Let's say Hooper doesn't play. So you have, you do you do Carr, you do Waller, you do Ruggs, you do Jarvis Landry, and you do Harrison Bryant. You can play whoever. You can play all of the dudes in that stack. You can play Alvin Kamara. You can play Devontae Adams. You can play Tyler Lockett. You can play Derrick Henry. Like, you can play all of the expensive guys inside of that highly correlated game stack. And, you know, yeah. Derek Carr can get 26 uh, and and I think the great thing about stacking rugs, by the way, is he doesn't need to detract from Waller's volume to get there. He can score 20 points on like four targets. Yeah, sorry. And, I, and maybe I misspoke and said I wasn't into the game stack. I wasn't into the Cleveland side of the game stack. Yeah, I, I'd be fine stacking car with Waller rugs and finding one of those guys to bring it back with. And um, I, uh, Hooper was out last week, appendicitis, right? So that recovery is like anywhere from one to three weeks. So who knows? Um, what to make of it there. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you, though. I, I do pretty much greatly prefer the Raiders side. It's just like, I feel like everything could go perfect for Baker. And like somehow if Baker gets 25, that just means that Carr is like a locked out score him. Like, doesn't it just kind of feel that way? Oh, like, yeah, no matter yeah. what Baker does. It's just like he's going to throw 250 yards. He runs hot, gets like four touchdowns. And yep. somehow it'll still go to four different receivers and like someone else will end up in a winning lineup. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, somehow this is actually the game of the week. Total of 54, very concentrated offense for both of them. The Tennessee Titans at the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals really only throw to three players when Joe Mixon is active. They throw to Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and to a lesser extent, A.J. Green. Drew Sample, since taking over for C.J. Uzuma, has like a 7% target share. They throw to Giovanni Bernard, but if Joe Mixon is active, those targets are pretty worthless. And then the Titans, it's... 
AJ Brown, Johnny Smith, and then to a lesser extent, Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys. I think Corey Davis is egregiously priced at 5,100, but Tannehill single stacks with AJ Brown and then the double bring back, kind of like we just talked about with Pittsburgh, Baltimore. I, I'm pretty into that. Yeah. And, you know, I think we did talk just about the Bengals and they're running like top five most number of plays on offense in the NFL this season. And as far as pass percentage, they're way up there as well. So, especially when they're underdogs, it does seem like they're the type of team that is willing to open it up and just throw the ball the entire second half, much like the Cowboys were earlier in the season. And the Titans defense has been getting got to by almost everyone they play against. So I definitely think that, um, you know, Burrow's up at like 6.2 K now he's starting to get to a little bit more premium, but I definitely think multiple pass options are viable for them. And, you know, Joe Mixon, I don't know if you have a report update as far as his injury, but he did miss last week. It was close enough of a call that it's possible he'll be back this week. But if he was out, that would just be another thing that led me to believe that they'd continue to rely on Joe Burrow versus going to some surprisingly heavy ground attack out of nowhere, especially as underdogs. Yeah, nothing definitive yet on Joe Mixon. I probably would lean towards expecting him to play just because, you know, it just feels like these guys always want to play if it's even close at all. But uh, I also think, you know, how owned do we think the big dog is going to be, right? Because I, the big dog at, at 8% or 12% even, get him in. But the big dog at 22%, I'm less interested. Well, it's like the opposite, right? Like the big dog at 22% is going to put up 35 he, He's a lot to get there. Yeah. <laughs> the big dog at 5% or 10%, like he's going to rush for 99 yards and one touchdown. <laughs> I, I played the big dog last week in the $100 single entry spy on DraftKings. I had um, Harrison Bryant. I had Tyler Lockett. I had Russell Wilson. Like the, the table was set. <laughs> yeah. I was ready. I was ready to win. And I had a 1.8% owned big dog. And uh, oh, even had Devonta Adams in that lineup, right? I was ready to be rich is what I'm saying. And the big dog, what he had 20 rushes, 75 yards and a touchdown. He, he did his best David Montgomery impression. It was uh it was a tough scene. I, I think I am jamming the big dog regardless of ownership projection this week, though. Yeah. And I, the Tannehill side of things is tough to double stack. Uh, I like individual pieces there. I do think one of them for sure can have a big game. But it's just one of those offenses that would prefer to run the ball. And they have had highly efficient passing with Tannehill for the last dozen or so games, but it's um, it's pretty rare that they're running enough plays for like a lot of wide receivers to get there with him. Well, the Bengals would have to get up. The Bengals would have to, and we saw that in the Texans game where Tannehill got there, A.J. Brown got there, and Derrick Henry got there, but that was because they were trailing. That, that will not happen if they are this game uh all right moving to a game that i think is pretty disgusting so we don't have to spend a ton of time on it the new england patriots at the buffalo bills i mean honestly are we like are we interested in anyone in this game i digs digs is probably the one guy you're interested in as a one-off but i mean i i really think that's about it yeah I, i'm inclined to agree with you i mean the patriots offense at this point has looked pretty disgusting cam newton getting benched mid-game definitely Possible that if he flops again in Buffalo, um, he's 5,700, like naked cam, maybe in tournaments. It's pretty tough with how bad the offense has looked, but they're still heavily utilizing him inside the red zone. So I guess that would be the only other guy I'd be um, somewhat interested in that could potentially get there. But it's now been like three weeks of me trying to make naked cam happen. And it's just it's just not working. Uh, Yeah, I, I don't think it is either. And, you know, this actually would have been a spot where a couple weeks ago I would have been like Josh Allen, home favorite, 
you know, playing a defense that, that hasn't stopped anybody. He should just be able to go in there, run for, you know, 60 yards, score a couple touchdowns. But Josh Allen has been brutal. Uh, yeah. Had no touchdowns last week. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the offense still moved the football last week. They just kind of stalled out. So if you wanted to go Josh Allen, maybe you could, but I don't think you have to on this slate. And then I guess if John Brown misses, I still think Gabriel Davis is priced at 3,500. He's, you know, if you think that what's going to happen is Belichick's going to focus on taking away Diggs and Josh Allen, then you get those secondary wide receivers like Gabriel Davis and uh, Cole Beasley, who would kind of absorb some of the targets. So at Gabriel Davis's price, I think that, in like 150 max build, he's probably hitting a, a few percent of my lineups if John Brown's out only, though. Do you prefer Gabriel Davis with John Brown out or uh, Denzel Mims for the New York Jets, who's priced at 3,200? Mm, um, I, man, that's, I mean, that's tough. I guess I would lean Mims there, but, uh, but it's pretty close. Yeah. I lean, I lean Mims there as well. I think that Davis probably has better multi-touchdown upside but Mims has like uh eight catches for 111 yards like in his range of outcomes just because you know we really think that the Jets are probably going to be they're going to walk into this game down 14-0 against the Chiefs okay now we have the New York Jets at the Kansas City Chiefs which is I mean this is just one of those games where it really depends on how frisky does Andy Reid feel like getting because the Chiefs have the highest team total of the slate 34 points but as we saw Last week against the Denver Broncos, the Chiefs are really not looking to press the issue when they're up a bunch. You know, they have Super Bowl aspirations. They're not trying to have Patrick Williams have his knee rolled up on, you know, in in garbage time or whatever. Biggest question, though, I think is how much work does Le'Veon Bell get in the second half when they're up by a bunch? (laughs) I mean, you got to feel like it was even a true time split last week. So you throw in a, a little sprinkle of revenge narrative there. And yeah, I mean it's probably a, a time split again. It wouldn't be surprising at all if Le'Veon Bell was given like the courtesy goal line carries if they're up a bunch as well in the third or fourth quarter. Um, I don't know, 4,600, it's it's possible, right? But I don't think you're looking at that outside of a, a dart thrown MME, right? No, I'm going to play him. I'm going to play him in at least one meaningful single entry team. I don't know if it's the 27 or the 50 or the 100 yet, but in one of my teams, I will be playing $4,600 Le'Veon Bell as like, uh, I don't even know if he's a leverage play. I just don't expect him to be popular. And I think that he is basically already in kind of a 50-50 timeshare with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And I expect him, I, I actually think he will get more of the high value touches moving forward. Yeah, I, I mean, it'll be tough, right? Edward Solaire had eight carries last week to Bell six, and they should run the ball more. So I mean, you're looking at like a 10 to 12 carry back potential for a couple targets. Um, but I, I guess on the passing game side of things, you talked briefly before break about Denzel Mims. Uh, Jameson Crowder missed last week, obviously one of the Jets' top targets in the year. He did not practice yet this week, but is expected back in practice later this week. We'll really need to monitor his status as well. And then Brashad Perryman got hurt last week as well. And so we don't know if he'll be active as well. And I think the status of both those guys impacts whether or not you want to take a stab on Mims or somebody like Braxton Berrios, who's 3,500, who kind of sees like a like scaled back version of Crowder's targets in the slot. I do think if you were going to play Mahomes, both those guys are cheap enough and you really do need the Jets to like somehow score two touchdowns they, in the first yeah, half. They got to at least get to like 14 by half to keep Mahomes trying. Yeah, so I, I think I would still try to bring it back with those guys in that scenario. Otherwise, you're you're hoping for 
a, a lot of efficiency from the Chiefs early in the game. So, I mean, one of Travis Kelsey, one of Tyreek Hill, like one of Demarcus Robinson, Michael Hardman could certainly get there. Um, but what, what do you think about the passing attack? Do you think you'll stack it? Do you think you'll try to pick up individual pieces? I will probably do one stack with the Chiefs as like the primary with a bring back probably with Denzel Mims because I think that Mims really seems like the ceiling guy here, especially if Crowder is not able to play. They um, was actually really interesting last week. They kind of had Mims as the primary read on their scripted plays. So like, you know, the first 15 to 20 plays that an NFL team runs in any given game. Those are the plays that they really practiced a ton over the course of the week. And Mims, what Mims had four targets in the first quarter. So it's sort of one of those things where I think they're probably looking to get him the ball quite a bit. And I'm, I'm pretty interested in that. Yeah. Does that mean he doesn't know the playbook well enough so they could only like throw to him on the scripted targets? <laughs> well, he only had one target in the second half, but it's hard to blame that on him because the Jets gained four yards in the second half against the Bills <laughs> last week. So maybe that was just more of a, you know, an overall uh, offensive failure type of thing. But I, I don't love any of the Chiefs plays. And the only guy I really want to be on the record as touting is both of the running backs. I think that there is room for both Bell and Edwards Hilaire to get, you know, over 20 points in this game, just because I expect them to be able to run so much um, and run very effectively. So I, I'm in on those plays. All right, moving now to a, a game that you touted in the past when these two teams played, the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers. I'm really hoping that this game does not pick up steam as the week goes on. This, to me, looks like the spot where we can get our game stacks in um, and take advantage of some of the value uh, of the other games, because I, I really like lots of plays in this game. Yeah, and I think it's pretty obvious Devontae Adams is headed for a fair share of ownership this week. Just sure, massive game. I mean, they have a 30-point total, but I, I do think... You know, when when they were playing last time, I think what we saw was a lot of the ownership flooded to Dalvin Cook, a little bit to Jones, a little bit to Adams. And I think that, you know, we need a practice report as far as whether or not Dalvin Cook's back. But I, I don't think double stacks from the Minnesota side of things will be rostered at all. And so I do think like Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen should be in a pretty good game script this week against the Packers. Um, a little bit different team total dynamics than when the game was in Minnesota. I think they were small favorites, if I, don't, if I recall. Um, so a lot has shifted with the sentiment of these two teams over the first, like, seven weeks of the season. Yeah, and, you know, we saw in that Viking-Seattle game that when the game script goes in that direction, the the Vikings are actually willing to pass, right? They scored uh, 26 points in that game. They, they threw for 248 yards, ran for 201 yards. That was kind of like the most that the Vikings had passed in season. And I think that, you know, obviously as big dogs here, they're more likely to be passing in this game. So I, I think that Cousins double stacks, Rogers single stack with Adams and then double bring back, or, you know, you can use, you can use Aaron Jones in that stack. Um, maybe you can use Marquez Valdez scaling. He's like so terrible. It's hard to click his name, you know, into, into these lineups, so, Robert, Robert Tunyon even. Yeah. Well, and that was the other thing I had touted was like last year, People are just afraid to double stack Aaron Rodgers because, and now with Robert Tanya, I think people are maybe a little bit more willing with how gross tight end has been. He's down to 4,300 now. So that double stack makes sense. I don't think people will do it with Marcus Valdez-Scantling, who, you know, he's one big play away from being on these optimal lineups as well. Yeah, so, it's, it's just air yards, right? Because he, he still just gets this huge share 
of the Packers air yards, regardless of what's going on. And then, them. and then if Aaron Jones misses again, honestly, I said this in our customer slack, but Jamal Williams was the best value play we'd seen all year. And he was in play up to above $6,000 prices. Almost was a better play with Aaron Jones out than Aaron Jones would have been if he was active because they gave Williams all of the work, all the snaps, all the carries. They don't trust AJ Dillon at all in the passing game. And so Jamal Williams, who plays on passing down sometimes anyways with Aaron Jones, got all of that work too. So I think he would still be in play at 6,100 if Aaron Jones were to miss this week. He would. One thing I would caution is that Tyler Irvin has been out over the last couple of weeks as well. He plays they, they, a ton. Tyler Irvin he, plays a ton when he he's does, active. but they're using him like a slot wide receiver more than a guy yeah, that lines the, up in he's the backfield. The, he's the jet motion guy. I just I would not I wouldn't worry about him siphoning off touches from Jamal Williams, but I would worry about him siphoning off some targets. of the targets. Yeah, yeah which fair. is you know not not uh, not super great. Um, okay, keeping it moving now, we have Indianapolis at Detroit. I say this pretty much every week with Detroit, but if they if they trail, I mean, we like literally we saw it. We saw the whole thing come to fruition um, last week against the Falcons, right? Kenny G had a huge day. Uh, TJ Hawkinson had, I think, three catches and a touchdown on the final drive. They just need to be behind 10 points, and this whole offense comes alive. Swift would be a good play. I think Swift is a good play regardless. Hawkinson is in play. Kenny G is in play. I know you're probably going to argue for Amendola being in play. And I get you don't really want to stack the Colts, but at least some of the Colts players are, you know, cheap enough that 14, 15 points could probably make it into winning single entry tournaments. So we have Pascal at 4,500. We have Trey Burton at 3,500. Even Jonathan Taylor at 6,600, I think, is, you know, kind of roughly in play. You know, maybe rookie after the bye week, maybe things get better for him. There you uh, go. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's a narrative I'm clinging to. I mean, Taylor has not been good. He's actually been playing a ton. He just has really not been very productive. But I, I, I'm loosely interested in this game, I think. Yeah, I, I'm not interested in stacking the Colts at all. So that's just like a, a firm pass for me. Uh, I don't know why you're trying to saddle me with Danny Amendola, but I'm not going to be stuck there. I tried to give the people DeAndre Swift two weeks ago. And Swift has now played 54% of the team snaps last week. He started to get a little bit of an increased role. I think at 5,300, he's in play, but I don't think he's like a core building block. I'm still probably picking up individual pieces of this game. Galladay has had like every game he's played this year. He's been good, but his touchdown games have been his low yardage games and his high yardage hundred plus with the bonus games have been the low touchdown games. And eventually one of those two is going to connect and he's going to put up like, you know, the 30, 35 DK point game. And that definitely could be this week. So He's the piece of this game I'm most interested in. Um, potentially Jonathan Taylor on the other side, but uh, I'm, I'm probably not looking at game stack this one. I can't. I can't interest you in Philip Rivers chucking short passes to Trey Burton and Zach Drew, Pascal for the entire second half. Drew Dickmeyer keeps trying to trade me Philip Rivers in this dynasty league, and I just the math makes sense. I just can't do it. I mean, Rivers has not been great this year, but. I mean, just we actually just saw him in the in that comeback effort against Cincinnati. Forty-four passing attempts, three hundred and seventy-one passing yards, um, three passing touchdowns, and then you know the target breakdown in that game, pretty encouraging for fan. I guess well, I guess the fly in the ointment is that neither Pascal nor T. Y. Hilton has a deep role at all. And it's randomly all going to Marcus Johnson who is like unrosterable in fantasy. Like you're not gonna be able to click Marcus Johnson. Well, for three thousand, for a guy coming <laughs> off of a hundred yard game, can you can you click in Marcus Johnson as a bring back with 
Matt Stafford plus Galladay plus TJ Hawkinson? I don't think I could do it, to be honest. But I, I understand why the people would want to go there. And um, I guess is Mo Ali Cox going to be back for this game? I guess like Trey Burton would be the other guy in play at the tight end position, just 3,500, if Ali Cox was going to miss again. Um, yeah, it seems like he is probably going to be back. He's still monit- He's still being monitored for this knee injury. I, I, don't, I don't think that, I don't really think that um, Mo Ali Cox actually is going to impact Burton's production all that much because when Burton came back off the short-term IR, Cox was still active. Trey Burton ran more routes. Trey Burton had more targets. And, you know, now that we've seen the Trey Burton goal line packages, like I, I think at least mentally, I'm like still accounting for that a little bit. Like just knowing that Frank Reich has the the Philly special stuff drawn up because if people remember Frank Reich was Trey Burton's coach when the Eagles won the Super Bowl he was the tight ends coach yeah. there in Philadelphia so I I'm I'm a little bit into Trey Burton but uh, as the first afternoon game the Los Angeles Chargers at the Denver Broncos and uh, Drew B if you if you had to guess right now where do you think that Justin Herbert is at in fantasy points per game amongst all quarterbacks. <laughs> Well, we saw the huge game on primetime, and there's been a limited number of starts there. So I'd probably, I'd, I'd say he's like fifth right now. Um, right now, Justin Herbert is fourth, and that includes Dak Prescott, who is injured. More fantasy points per game than Mahomes, more than Josh Allen, more than Deshaun Watson, more than Aaron Rodgers. And even if you just make it total points, he is still 15th overall, and that's with, you know, basically losing uh, a game. So it, it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty impressive. Sick. Yeah, it's it's pretty sick, and I have to say, this is probably the game that I am looking at, and I'm like, if things just go the right way, this can be awesome for fantasy, because I think the Chargers have loads of playable guys, and really, for, for this game to be good, all we need, Colin, all we need is Drew Locke to just be average. If Drew Locke can just be a B-plus here, we have... Jerry Judy's 4,800. We have KJ Hamler, who's 3,600. We have Fant, who's 4,700. And then my boy, Albert O, 2,800. Albert O, now, through two games, has played something like 50 overall total snaps and has ran like 24 routes. And he's been targeted six and seven times in back-to-back games. Like, I am playing Albert O in tournaments, you know, regardless of, uh, you know, regardless of basically whatever happens with fans health status. I, I want this game to be a good game stack. Yeah. And I think heading into last week, we were pretty concerned that fan as like the move tight end of the offense w- w- would just push Albert O completely to the sideline. It didn't seem like that was going to happen. It was obviously a game script last week too, where they were expected to throw against the chiefs and they are underdogs here again. I would say we haven't really talked about the weather too much, you know, early in the week, it's always hard to tell, but it's definitely the type of situation this time of year in DFS that you do have to start to take some of that stuff into account. And I think it's expected to be pretty windy in Denver. And so monitor the weather stuff, you know, that would impact a lot of the deep passing game and and could lead to more run heavy game scripts. Um, I, I think you're right with Albert O. I think you can probably expect he's in like the five to six target range, which for tight end as such a gross position, that price is, is probably fine. I'm not quite as excited about game stacking it just because the price tag on Herbert is pretty egregious at 6,900. I know that the efficiency has definitely been there for him, but um, you're, you're talking about just a couple hundred dollars away from Lamar Jackson as far as the overall price at this point. And uh, I don't think I'm willing to go there yet with the kid. Yeah, but think about think about how cheap the bringbacks are, and then think about all of the access you get. Because like 
you know, we're we're talking about uh, we have so we have even even with Drew, uh, even with Justin Herbert. So let's go Justin Herbert at quarterback. Let's match him up with Keenan. And uh, who do you like more, Mike Williams or Hunter Henry? I, I mean, they're both fine. They're both pretty cheap. I think Mike Williams has a lot of GPP upside, but Henry fills out a gross tight end position. Okay, so let's go. Let's go. Justin Herbert at quarterback, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, double stack, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant. You have for two running backs, a flex, and a defense. You have 5.7K left per slot. You fill in the defense. And then all of a sudden you're looking at like, oh, I, I can just play all the dudes I like. And with Judy and Fant being so cheap, and then obviously if you did Alberto, you're talking about again. I, I love these game stacks that don't include the super chalky expensive players, you know, game stacks that don't include Devontae Adams, game stacks that don't include the big dog where you're getting, you know, like $6,000 guys because then you can kind of get more creative with the plays around them instead of, you know, like if you're if you're game stacking, you know, Seattle, Arizona last week, you had to be like, all right, well, you know, I'm playing Gabriel Davis in this stack or whatever. I got to play some guy that I hate. I, I like these stacks where you can play guys you actually like around them. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I, I guess I see it. I think Keenan Allen, 6.2K, definitely really great play in the PPR format as well. 13 targets last week. If you look at his seasonal targets, you got to kind of erase week five from that because the two-target game against the Saints, he was injured really early in that game. And so the target share in Keenan Allen is going to be huge again. And at 6,200, I think he's a great DraftKings play. Um, surprised he didn't get moved up in price after he was reasonably popular last week as well. Yeah, well... If you take anything away from this takeaway that Albert O at 2,800, we're, we're jamming him. Seven targets, seven receptions, 60 yards last week. Uh, it, it, he's going to score a touchdown this week against the Los Angeles Chargers. So you can take that. You can take that to the bank. It's uh, That's an automatic absolute guarantee. Uh, moving now to the New Orleans Saints at the Chicago Bears. I mean, I just don't want to play any Bears. I don't want to play David Montgomery. I don't even really want to play Allen Robinson. I guess... Maybe the one guy you could talk me into playing would be Mooney, just because uh, if he just if all all he has to do is catch one of the deep bombs and get away from the defensive back and he's paid off. But I overall I'm just not really that excited about this game. I mean I think that Kamara is probably the best overall play of the slate. But Marquez Callaway had that breakout game last week and then it's now questionable to play. Left that game with an injury. We don't know what's happening with Michael Thomas. He's getting in fights with his teammates. He's hurt, and then he's not hurt, and then he hurts his hamstring again. So, what just what are we what are we doing with this game? I don't know, man. It's it's tough. I mean, I I, I got to admit, I rostered Leonard Fournette last year, probably as much as I should have, maybe a little bit more than I should have, and I'm getting Leonard Fournette like vibes from David Montgomery right now. Low rent Leonard Fournette vibes from David Montgomery, but. Seems like he's got a five-target floor every week now, and he's got like 12 to 15 carry floor as well. So it's tough to find 20-plus touchbacks and 5,900. I feel like I'm going to end up begrudgingly playing some David Montgomery this week. Okay, who's who's a worse daily fantasy play, David Johnson or David Montgomery? Um, <laughs> like, are we talking in general? Because I, I guess the Texans aren't even on the main slate this week, right? So yeah, just just in general, like. Who is less likely to never get 20 DraftKings points? So, I mean, David Johnson, what, what did he end up putting up last week? Because he was pretty close. He found the end zone. But uh, I think David Montgomery, because he's involved in the passing game pretty consistently, I feel like David Montgomery is a better uh, even play. Even with a touchdown, David Johnson, 4.2 rushing points, four receptions, so eight, then 
42, so he's got 12.2 plus six. Still didn't get to 20. He's at yeah. like he's at like uh, 18 DraftKings, 18.2 DraftKings points. We, we didn't have Todd Gurley on the slate this week, so we didn't get to celebrate the fact that Todd Gurley was on a million dollar winning lineup after accidentally falling into the end zone trying to stop short of the goal line, causing oh. the Falcons to win, lose the game. But he he helped someone win a million bucks. Todd Gurley, multi back appearance for millionaire maker winning lineups this year. So Dave Montgomery can definitely get there. Well, I mean, he can get there because he is not leaving the field. You know, they, they I think CPAT got one carry last week. I was was Artavis Pierce active or not? Yeah. I, yeah, yeah so he didn't, but he like didn't get in the game weeks. at all. Yeah, yeah, the only weird like tip would be if they have Lamar Miller on their practice squad, if they call him up, then maybe you'd start to think about the workload changing. But unless that happens, I think you're, you're seeing a, a bell cow on a terrible football team. All right. So let's say Michael Thomas sits. Emmanuel Sanders is on the COVID-19 list. And let's say Marquez Callaway plays. We got Traquan, we got Marquez Callaway, we have Deontay Harris, obviously we have Kamara, and then Jared Cook. Uh, what direction are you going here with Saints pass catchers, or are you just kind of not bothering? Yeah, I'd be okay with with Cook. I'd be okay with Callaway. I, I wouldn't be loading up on it. I mean, the Bears do have a really good secondary, um, so I'd be most interested, I think, in in Kamara. And I mean, Kamara, like the floor is so high. He he ran really bad last week to put up the point totally did and he still ended up being good at like a weak RB position. Yeah, I I think I think that seems, you know, that seems just about just about accurate. Um all right, our our final game, and this is the game that we really need to think about the most cuz it is going to be far and away the most owned. We have the San Francisco 49ers at the Seattle Seahawks. We have the 49ers who are going to be without Jeff Wilson Jr. and without Raheem Mostert. Their lead backs are going to be Jamichael Hasty and Jarek McKinnon. Then they're also not going to have Debo Samuel, who was running out of the backfield last week. We have Brandon Ayuk at 5,800, Kendrick Bourne at 3,500, Trent Taylor and Richie James will split that third wide receiver role, and then obviously the ever-present George Kittle. Just kind of what are your general thoughts on the San Francisco 49ers? So one of the general thoughts is they are their game plan specific team. And I, I do think we've seen multiple times in the past that while they prefer to run the ball, they will open it up if they have to. And some of the big Jimmy G games that we've seen in the past have been like, I'm thinking like last year's shootout with the Saints, like where they had to actually open it up. And Seattle is definitely the type of team that could make them do that. Seattle is also going to be really banged up at the running back, which just makes like they've already been one of the most pass heavy teams this year. And there's not really any reason to expect they won't continue to give Russ Wilson the ball almost every single play. So um, I like stacking the 49ers side of things. I'm curious to see where it sits in the popularity perspective. I would prefer if Jimmy G was like six to eight percent in those like individual stack pieces or around the same. If it becomes the most popular value stack, I start to become a little bit less interested in it. But I definitely love like one of Ayuk or Kittle. And then I think Bourne is fine as far as the secondary guy. And if you want to double stack Seattle, I think Bourne is fine as like the cheap value guy to bring it back with um, for stacks that include Russ and Lockett and DK Metcalf. Yeah. Um, I, I gotta say, I really wish that Jimmy Garoppolo was good because if he was, I think the yeah. strategy would be pretty easy this week. You go Jimmy and you use Ayuk and then you use Bourne uh, and or Kittle, then you you know kind of liberally sprinkle Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. Maybe you use a little bit of Olsen or Disley. Uh, Disley actually had a touchdown in his hands that he ended up dropping uh, last week against Arizona. But and also by the way, like the Seattle running back room can really shake the slate up because 
Uh, Carlos Hyde is questionable, and Travis Homer is questionable. Uh, Carlos Hyde suffered a hamstring injury, and then Travis Homer has a knee bruise. There, there is a situation where the only active running back on the Seahawks roster on Sunday is DJ Dallas. I, I would say it's something like, you know, I don't know, 10% to happen or something like that. But in, in that scenario, is DJ Dallas like the biggest lock button of the year? Yeah, I mean, I think so, right? I think at that point, the, the pricing is such that you consider four-man on slots as well, just because it's not going to take a ton to get there. Um, so, yeah, uh, DJ Dallas would definitely be really good play in that regard. Uh, I think the pivots potentially on the San Francisco side, if you wanted to try to bring it back with, like, McKinnon instead of one of the wide receivers, that would be another option there. And I wanted to get your thoughts a little bit on how you expect the target breakdown to go between Tyler Lockett and D- D- DK Metcalf, because... If you just look at like the year-to-date percentages, it's a little bit misleading because Lockett off that massive target game is now up to almost 28% of the team's targets in the year. But we have a long history of them with both Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Last year, it was a 23-21 to split. The second half of last year was 24-22. And then earlier through the first six weeks, it was actually DK Metcalf who was leading the team in targets. So how are you going to handle that anomaly? And is there an argument to be made that DK Metcalf should have the higher target share than Tyler Lockett? I would say that over the course of the next three seasons, Metcalf is going to see targets at a higher rate than Tyler Lockett. Lockett is going to have some of these explosion games where you hate yourself for not being on him. But I, I think I think Lockett is a better player. I think Lockett is more likely to get consistently open. I think that you know Met, or I think that Metcalf is just likely better and is going to see more targets as a result of that. And I think that Metcalf being more expensive this week and Lockett coming off of that explosion game, I think that. Metcalf is sort of like the buy of the week in daily fantasy. Yeah, I really like that. Like two years ago, this would have been the situation where just everybody piles on Tyler Lockett and things have changed a little bit. So maybe some of those dynamics at lower stakes. But unfortunately, I think people will play the projections, which which is probably the right way to play things. Um, But I'm probably going to flip DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett's projections in the optimizer to, to have Metcalf just outright projected higher and kind of see where things funnel as far as exposure that way. Now is the part of the show where Colin and I give away our favorite game stack of the week for daily fantasy tournaments on DraftKings and FanDuel. Uh, We both agree that San Francisco and Seattle is the quote-unquote best game of the week. You know, we think that that is very likely to have the most points scored, a very high concentration of points, but we also think that Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Brandon Ayuk, that these guys are going to just be on huge, huge chunks of rosters. So we want to go a little bit different. So my favorite game is going to be the Las Vegas Raiders and the Cleveland Browns. Ruggs, Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Harrison Bryant, Kareem Hunt. I think there are a lot of great individual plays there. And I also think you're going to see minuscule ownership on both of the quarterbacks. So I am definitely leaning towards that game. And I I really, despite the high total, I really don't think that any play in that game outside of Kareem Hunt will be popular in any way. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I was considering going with the Minnesota Green Bay game as the secondary game stack for me, but I think the value there is too pinched on the Minnesota double stack. Cousins, you're not getting quite enough discount. And then you have premium prices on uh, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, you also have premium prices on Thielen and Jefferson. So I'd rather pick up one-offs there, I think. And so the game stack I'd be most interested in is actually going to be the Cincinnati Bengals. Just because they are six-point underdogs at home, they're running top five volume of plays, really heavy passing attack, and a highly concentrated passing attack. So 
though you said you just got practice reports on Mixon not yet back at practice. That makes me like it a little bit even more. So I do think that you can game stack that. You could potentially play the big dog and then have a Bengals game stack as the passing side, playing catch-up mode there, or just pick up one of Jonu Smith or A.J. Brown. So a lot of different ways to approach that. I do think overall probably stack one side of the Seattle-San Francisco game in each of my three max lineups and then maybe use this Bengals team as uh, as the kind of secondary building block on my third three max team. Yeah, I also think that in a week where maybe the quarterbacks we don't love as much in the stackable games like Jimmy Garoppolo, like Derek Carr, like Baker Mayfield, I kind of like the one-to-one correlation. So like maybe you stack Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, but then you use... Uh, Henry Ruggs and uh, Harrison Bryant or something like that. Like I kind of like those little one-off correlations as a way to obviously build correlation inside the lineup, but then also, you know, avoid some of those low ceiling and honestly low floor quarterbacks. Um, Everyone, I hope that you guys were able to enjoy the Daily Roto Hour here today, going through every game in the main NFL Daily Fantasy Slate. Uh, You know, of course, uh, check out all the tools on DailyRoto.com if you want help building your lineups. And we will be back next week, same time, same place to go through the week nine games. Build digital first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.